Hey guys, we've got a little bit of update on, uh, of course, Maricopa County had their audit results come out today. I've got COVID and we're going to talk about anxiety. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey there, guys. I am just going to tell you right now that I have a bit of a manly voice because I am on day four of the COVID. Not afraid to say it. It got me. But I'm feeling good. I took the horse paste. Just kidding. I took the human version of the horse paste. And uh, along with more vitamins than I've ever taken any time in my entire existence, that's for sure. I uh, started feeling a little bit just headachy, achy, and uh, developed a little bit of a cough and took a test, a little home test, and turns out my husband and I both, as well as now my daughter, who's almost 10. So we're on day four of our quarantine, and today I actually felt really, really good. So it's day three of the horse paste, the human horse paste, and uh, all the vitamins. I'm following the FLCCC protocol almost to a T. Yeah, basically to a T. And uh, I am, I feel really good. I feel like we're round in the bend on this bad boy, other than the fact that I have a uh, a manly voice and a little bit of a little bit of chest pain just from the cough. So prayers welcomed that we just continued around this bend and put this bad boy behind us and and celebration and praise for these wonderful God-given antibodies that I get to take forward into this crazy world from this point forward. So um that's why I've been a little bit delayed on getting a podcast out because I basically only wanted to nap the first two days. <laughs> Today's the first day I didn't nap. So yeah, that's why I'm a little bit late to get a podcast out this week, but uh, lots to talk about. I actually just spent, since I can't leave my house and there's, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit low energy. I spent, what am I talking about? I would have done this anyway. I would have done this if I felt 100%. I watched the whole Arizona audit report. I did. It was like three and a half hours and I just sat there and watched it and it was terribly boring. Terribly boring. And if you want just a quick summary, I mean, if you've been paying attention to audits like I have been <laughs> or what's been happening since November 3rd, um, it's a lot of the same. I mean, it is nothing that I didn't expect to hear. Um, the quick nut, nutshell, in a nutshell, version of what was, you know, revealed today is over 55,000 illegal ballots were included in the final tally in just Maricopa County. And I will remind you that the margin of victory for Biden in Arizona was just over 10,000. So um, 55,000 illegal votes cast creates a bit of a problem. I think we can definitely safely say after a very a several-month-long forensic audit where every ballot was 
looked at very intentionally to determine if it was written with ballpoint pen or if it was, you know, filled in by a computer. You know, they, they were able to really decipher exactly what was what. And the great majority of the issues, you'll be so surprised to hear, came through mass mail-in balloting, right? That's where a lot of the illegal ballots, including um, actually only a couple hundred deceased voters, quite a few uh, out-of-state voters, people who had moved away from their address, ghost and phantom voters, meaning, um, for example, in a canvas, someone can come and say, hello, you know, we, we recognize that there's 11 voters that cast ballots in the last election. Can you confirm that 11 voters live here and vote here? And the person that lives there say, I'm the only one that lives here. I'm the only one that has lived here for 20 years. One vote is being cast from this address. You know, stuff like that, stuff like that. And although I'll be perfectly fair to say that we don't know who these 55,000 illegal ballots voted for. We, if they could have all been Joe Jorgensen, for all we know, right? But we do know that's very, very, very statistically heavy. Mail-in ballots are typically Democratic voters. Uh, in particular, in this, per, in this election, because of the pandemic and the fear that was surrounding the coronavirus, so that is just food for thought, speculation, right? But now we have 55,000 illegal ballots and there was also some tampering. We now know for, for certain there's, there's um, revealed internet searching history on these machines. So we know for sure, not like, I mean, I just feel like, come on people, if you think these things are not connected to the internet, I mean, I don't know how many ways we have to prove it, but... Yet again, they have been proven to have been connected to the internet, and it is state law that you have to protect and keep all election ballots, images, data for 22 months past the date of any election. And there are several instances that they discovered during the forensic audit where data was deleted um, and they were able to actually, which is kind of exciting, grab screenshots of whoever was sitting in front of the computer when that data was deleted. So they did not release those names, but all of this information is being turned over to the attorney general in Arizona, and he has pledged to do everything within his authority and within the, the law to take action on all of these leads and further this investigation. But when we have these 55,000 illegal ballots, now we can we need to isolate them and, and you know invalidate them, essentially. They need to be taken out of the count. And then we need to see what, what's what. And you know then what is the question, which of course the answer is, I don't know. We don't really know. This is very unprecedented. We've never had this kind of a enormous question of an election, just a, an uncertainty. And, you know, statistically, all polls show that more than half of Americans, even Democrats, almost a huge portion of independents, and of course, the great majority of registered Republicans all think that this was a fraudulent election or the election was in question. So, of course, we want, it should be obvious that 
if more than half of America wants more clarity and integrity around elections, then that seems like a not, not a bipartisan issue at all, but rather an American issue and one that we should all be focused on and moving forward with audits in other states that are in question. Texas is starting an audit. Pennsylvania's issued subpoenas in their audit. Georgia is still fighting their issues in court. Wisconsin and Michigan are still um, you know, advancing, trying to push forth audits. And I there's a long list of attorney generals that are requesting audits in their states as well. So I think this is kind of the beginning. I don't think this is the end of anything. I think this is very much the beginning. And I, my hope is that, again, always my hope has been that light shines in the darkness. And I do believe that's what's happening. But my hope is that there is legislation that's put in place and that this is the the catalyst or the the precipice. You know, this is the place where we say, obviously there is need for laws that are more clear. Obviously, we need to minimize mail-in ballots. There needs to be more rigorous standard, you know, standards around mail-in ballots if we're going to continue that, which I wish we wouldn't. I mean, it's really hard for a dead person to show up in person and vote, right? I mean, they, they're doing that through mail-in voting. Uh, we saw this in California during the recall just last week, where actually only Republicans claimed this, but they showed up at the polls to vote in person and were told that they had already voted. And this was happening on a large scale, particularly in Southern California. So these sorts of things are, we just need to get out in front of this. This needs to be corrected because there is no midterm, there is no 2024 if, if we're just going to run into the same shenanigans where we have 55,000 illegal votes in one county with a state that has just over 10,000 votes, a discrepancy between the presidency. I mean, it's just insanity. Of course, if you're watching the mainstream media, what you've probably seen is they're saying the, the recount shows that Biden actually won by more than what we thought he did which this was not a recount. This was an audit. Part of an audit, there is a recount. And yes, that is true. They discovered when counting the ballots that Biden actually had a couple hundred more counts, ballots, than originally was recorded as the official number. Now, that should only add credibility to this audit, okay? Because a recount just says, okay, this ballot says Biden, put it in this bucket, and this ballot says Trump, put it in this bucket. That's a recount. In the recount, yes, they discovered that Biden did have more ballots than the original tally. Now, a forensic audit is when they take out all the ballots of from the Biden pile and from the Trump pile and say, should these ballots have even counted to begin with? Was this a legal ballot? that needed to be put in any pile. So if you're counting all the ballots, including the illegal ones, then great. Yep, your recount is going to, and that's what happened. So when you hear that, you know, we did, we already did an audit. We already did an audit, which I've heard a bunch of times. No states did audits. They did recounts. And if you have fraudulent or illegal ballots, a recount will only recount the illegal ballot and validate 
that indeed there was this many ballots cast. However, it will not decipher whether or not those ballots were legally cast. And that is what this audit intended to do and was successful in doing. So yeah, now we, hopefully there's legislation that comes out of this. Of course, hopefully there's an investigation that leads to arrests because for goodness sakes, people need to be held accountable for the first time in the history of political recent history. Um, gosh, I was thinking today, remember when Nixon just even had enough integrity to resign when he was caught in wrongdoing? Like, remember when that was a thing, when you were caught doing the wrong thing? You just like, oh, fessed up, like took responsibility and like, resigned. Like, remember that? Oh, goodness gracious. But believe it or not, those were just updates I wanted to bring to you. That's not what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. I actually wanted to talk to you today about anxiety in the pandemic because we've talked a lot about fear and I think fear and anxiety are similar but very different things and I have spent a lot of my life dealing with anxiety and I, I believe and I am, I am claiming a healing this past weekend of my anxiety. I'm believing that. I'm accepting. I'm coming into agreement with a divine healing of my anxiety after years and years of struggling. And I wanted to share my testimony surrounding anxiety, and I wanted to give some tips and hopefully set some people free. Hopefully set some people free because there is freedom available from this very thing. And I was just at this church conference this past weekend, and that's where I believe I got my divine healing <laughs> over anxiety. And in it was Thursday night, all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then Sunday morning church. Just absolutely very deep, very impactful, lots of tears. Like day one, I show up with my hair curled in a cute outfit. On the last day, I have no makeup on. I'm in sweats with my hoodie over my head. Like just wrecked, just poured out, just weeping, broken down, built back up, filled up with the spirit, revelation, hearing from the Lord, just all the things, just so, so amazing. I just so look forward to this conference every year. And if you want to go, if that sounds like something that you want to do, it's September 15th through 17th. 2022, and I want you to come. So message me, Wendy Cunningham at protonmail.com. I want you to be there. I'll give you the information. It's here in Nashville at our church, The Belonging Co. But it was so amazing and, and so much worship. Our church is known for worship. And almost all of the songs carried this message of freedom. And I prayed, you know, I fasted and prayed going into conference for some specific answers and revelation from God about other things. And I really wasn't specifically looking for answer or healing for anxiety or fear. Isn't that funny? You would think that'd be like top of the list, but I'm not really struggling with anxiety and fear in the pandemic. Like I know a lot of people are, but it is something that kind of just is a, is a baseline for me. And so I was really grateful to hear from the Lord about this and to just hear this message of freedom that I can be free of it. I can be healed of it. There is freedom in the Lord. By my faith, I am healed. Wow. So I just wanted to share my testimony so that you guys can understand some things that 
hopefully so that you understand that you're not alone and also that you don't have to just depend on medication or a lifelong battle with anxiety or an identity of of anxiety, which is something that I think we all put on when we struggle with anxiety. My journey with anxiety started in my very, very early 20s, about 22. I had never struggled with anxiety before in my life. I have been afraid of things. And if you are not somebody who's ever struggled with anxiety, it is not the same as being afraid. It is different. If you know anxiety, you know what I'm talking about. But my, my introduction to anxiety, I mean, I would have moments of what I would say anxiety before this, where I would just like be like, oh my gosh, you know, like elevated heart rate and maybe just like an acute moment of adrenaline. And, you know, again, I would now classify that more in the realm of fear, but maybe you've had something like that just where your chest tightens up a little bit and you're just feeling like really un, unsettled or un, uneasy about something. Sure, that's anxiety. But I started my journey with anxiety in a full-on anxiety attack that kind of came out of nowhere. I was an actor for 15 years of my life, and this was towards the end of that 15-year season. And I was in full costume, which included a wig, period, period costume, uh, Tom Sawyer. I believe it was Tom Sawyer, so whatever period that would be. And I was, it was intermission, and I was reading Harry Potter. <laughs> and I was sitting backstage, and I got this almost like a tingle in my head and it felt like I got dizzy all of a sudden and I just got a little bit overheated kind of all of a sudden and they were physical symptoms and then it you know sends a little bit of a rush of adrenaline through your body and so I felt really uncomfortable and then I'm like oh my goodness I'm gonna pass out I think I think that's what's gonna happen so I went over to my stage manager and I told her I'm feeling a little uneasy I think I might faint and uh, I took off my wig and she unzipped my dress and my skin was really red under my costume. And I remember being 22, she wanted to call 911. And I was like, please, Lord, do not. I didn't say please, Lord, because I wasn't a believer. I said, please do not call 911. I don't have insurance. <laughs> and she said, it is, I have to because of liability and it will be on our insurance because you are a essentially hired by the theater as an actor. So um, I never went into a full hyperventilation episode, but I never, I did not come out of that edge of the precipice of anxiety in, until I was at the hospital. So I felt um, tightness of, of in my chest. I felt like I was going to pass out. I felt like I was going to maybe go to the bathroom in my pants, the bad kind, just very, just very uneasy, uncertain. And of course, now that the ambulance is here and firefighters are coming backstage, now the show's happening again because intermission is over. So they're trying to sneak backstage to get me. I am completely mortified, completely mortified that this is happening. I have to be taken out on a stretcher, put in an ambulance, my, you know, my now husband, but then fiance is there and he's, you know, at the time was a firefighter. Also, he wasn't on duty, but he knew them and we're getting in the ambulance. We go to the hospital. I get put on a 12 lead. They check my heart. They give me all kinds of blood work, everything in the hospital. They can't determine anything is wrong with me. 
and therefore I have the diagnosis of anxiety. Now, this is very unsettling if you've ever been through this because I'm not convinced I have anxiety. I've never had anxiety before. I've never been diagnosed with that ever in my life. I've never struggled like that before. I've never been in an ambulance before. So you're telling me all of a sudden today I have anxiety? That's all you're going to say? I think I almost just died. Something is wrong with my brain. Something is wrong with my heart. My heart was racing. My, it was, my heart was skipping beats. Don't tell me I have anxiety, which of course increased my anxiety. <laughs> of course, I come home and start researching all the different things that I could possibly have, which are many, and I came across a definition of anxiety, which I'll never forget because I laughed and told my husband, anxiety is feelings of impending doom, feelings of impending doom. And I laughed out loud because I'm like, that is, that is it. Yes, that is what I experienced. <laughs> I experienced a thought that led to another thought that was worse, that led to another thought that was worse, that led to a, I'm probably dying. I'm dying. This is me. I'm dying. I'm going to die. This is, I'm dying. I'm dying right now. Now I'm in an ambulance. I'm dying. I'm dying. I describe anxiety as a river. And sometimes the river is barely trickling and it is safe to get in and swim and splash around. And sometimes the river's a little quicker than you expect. And when you get in, it kind of catches you off guard and you get pulled a little bit down the river and you have to paddle a little bit harder to get to the shore. Uh, it's a little bit unexpected how hard you had to swim to get back to the shore. You got a little bit caught in that current, but ultimately you make it back to the shore, right? And then sometimes you get swept away and try as you might to swim as hard as you can back up that stream. There's a waterfall and you know you're heading towards that waterfall. And there comes a point where you go over and that is an anxiety attack. And I've, since that moment in the ambulance, I've had those attacks where I go all the way over the edge and into the hyperventilation, into the hysterical crying, the whole shebang. But that was, that beginning, that first time opened the door to almost a vicious cycle of fearing being in that ambulance again. So I, although I had anxiety attacks, I wouldn't say frequently, I would say probably infrequently I had anxiety attacks. I lived in perpetual fear of anxiety, of having an attack or feeling anxiety. So that led me to change my behavior. It led me to change the way that I did. I, I wouldn't go certain places. I became very, very afraid of flying. I became very strangely afraid of driving in the car. It was a terrible person to drive with. My husband would probably still say I'm a terrible person to drive with. I didn't like to go to events where I wouldn't know how many people would be there or where would the bathrooms be? Or what if I needed to leave? Where was my car parked? Would I be blocked in? Like I would have to think about every single scenario. And honestly, this is still how my anxiety has played out until recently. All the way up to and including in the last two years, I actually wore a heart monitor for a entire month, 24-7. For an entire month, I had a heart monitor strapped to my chest because I have an irregular heartbeat which can only be blamed on anxiety. There's, I had an echocardiogram. I had an ultrasound and wore this monitor. 
I have done everything to try to determine if there is some actual problem with my heart. There is not. It's just anxiety. Just. I do air quotes around just anxiety. But it is debilitating. It is consuming. And I, after the the onset of it, although I resisted medication for a couple of months, ultimately got on medication for anxiety, which is an antidepressant. And then very quickly after that, I realized that I was having some side effects to that drug. So then I was put on a second antidepressant to help with the side effects of the first antidepressant. Then I discovered I was still having anxiety attacks. So they gave me a drug to take for anxiety when I would have an anxiety attack. So now I'm on three medications and I was on that for about mm, maybe a year and a half. And I can tell you my personal experiences that I, my behavior, my personality shifted. Yes, I did not have the same lows and the same erratic, you know, craziness in my mindset, but I did not have the same highs. I did not have the same joy and I was angrier. I was more rash. I was more aggressive. I actually slapped my sister across the face. I've never done that to a single person in my life. And I did that to my sister in the midst of this time being on that medication. I actually cut her face with my fingernail. I, can't, I still can't believe I did that. We laugh about it now, but I'm like, it changed my behavior and people noticed. It changed the way that I processed information in my mind. Um, the way that, like I said, I, I was more aggressive. I was more angry. I was more rash in the way that I processed information. So I didn't like the, ch- the changes, although I, and I honestly, I did not feel set free from anxiety on medication. So I chose to go a different road and I changed my nutrition. That was a huge part. And ironically, wouldn't you know, if you know my story, you know that this onset, which makes no sense in the natural, that this onset of anxiety correlated with me starting to date my husband, who was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me outside of Jesus. (laughs) And um, he is who introduced me to Jesus. So on that note, my anxiety happened at the onset of my relationship or my journey towards Christ. These things happened at the same time. There are no coincidences. Anxiety is a tool of the devil. Please understand that. You know it if you have anxiety. You know it. You feel it. It is it is evil. It is it is oppressive. There's no freedom in it. There's no joy in it. There's no victory in it. There's only oppression and fear and you know weight and heaviness and shame and guilt and sadness. There's no there's no fruit of the spirit. It's all a tool of the enemy. And the mistake I made right out of the gate, and I I know this is common, is I allowed myself to be a victim of it because of the language I used around it. And that was to say, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. This, please hear me. This is going to set someone free right now. Don't ever utter those words again. Say, I am experiencing anxiety. I have a little anxiety right now. Give it a time frame. Do not say I have anxiety as if it's a blanket 
diagnosis that you will never escape, that it will always be over you and that you are a victim to it. I release you from that. I break that off in Jesus name. That is not the truth. You do not have anxiety. You are experiencing oppression from the enemy of your soul. You are experiencing an acute attack, but it is not who you are. It is not what you have. It is just a short experience. Just like fear can be a short experience. Just like joy can be a short experience. Let's be honest. Give it a time limit. Don't let it be who you are. Don't let it be. Don't let it make you a victim of it. That was my mistake. And I lived under that until recently, honestly, until maybe two years ago where I started to take off that title and try to really just diagnose, is there something else? Because if there's nothing else, then I'm going to let this go. Then I'm going to not let this control my life anymore. I'm going to give myself permission to be free of it, to make different choices. And like I said, this past weekend, I really feel truly delivered from it. And I think that you can be too. I know you can because our Lord does not want you walking in that kind of bondage. I promise you, Jesus came so that we could have life and life abundant. And anxiety does not give us abundance in the way that Jesus came here and died for us to have. It is not his plan for you. And you can be delivered from it. You can be healed from it. I believe that to my soul. And I know that you just have to ask and pray and believe. Come out of agreement with this. And walk into agreement with a healing. Walk into agreement with chains being broken around this. In Jesus' name. But in a time of pandemic, I'm seeing more and more people step into this place of anxiety and fear. And live there. And be trapped under the weight of this. And I just want to let you know that this is a tool of the enemy. And we do not have to come into agreement with this. We, this is the way that we are being controlled and manipulated is through fear and anxiety and fatigue. The anxiety is so exhausting. It is so exhausting. Whenever I fly, I have anxiety. I experience anxiety. <laughs> and when I get wherever I'm going, I'm just so fatigued. I'm just so exhausted from carrying the weight of the worry from carrying the weight of every possible negative scenario in my brain. But do you know that anxiety is quite literally the antithesis of faith? Anxiety says, what if the plane crashes? What if I have an anxiety attack on the plane? What if I can't get off the plane when I want? What if there's turbulence the whole time and I'm just totally freaking out? What if I can't breathe? This is what anxiety does to you, right? Faith says, what if the plane gets there perfectly fine, like every other time? What if there's hardly any turbulence? What if the weather's great? What if I don't have a single issue? What if I fall asleep and have the best sleep of my life on the plane? What if there's a really good movie that I get to watch on the plane? What if my kids are excellent? Do you see the difference? Both scenarios are hypothetical. <laughs> They're both what ifs, right? What if all the negatives and what if all the positives? One is anxiety or fear. One is faith. One is choosing to position my brain in a place that is anticipating positive outcome, that is anticipating and trusting in the goodness of a good, faithful God. And one is anticipating and putting faith in 
terrible things happening and going against the character of the God that I believe in, right? I mean, it's literally there. They, you can't do both. You cannot have anxiety and faith. Because anxiety says, my God is not good, and he does not got me. And if he does got me, well, he's not good because this bad thing is going to happen, and that's not good, and he's not good. (laughs) You with me? Anxiety erodes your faith. And the longer you allow yourself to go down the anxiety spiral, the more you're allowing yourself a foothold for the enemy to do his work. And all he wants is for you to question God, to wonder if he's good, to separate yourself from him, to trust in things of the natural over things of the eternal, right? Don't let that slippery slope be you in this pandemic. Don't wander any further. Break it off. Decide today. I'm not going down the what if journey any longer. And this is so perfectly timed that I'm coming to you on day four of my coronavirus experience (laughs) because yeah, I'm so glad I was delivered from anxiety this weekend before I got sick because I would have probably had a rough moment. And I won't say that there have not been moments where I've, moments, moments where I've wandered down the, am I getting enough oxygen? Am I like, what if this, I feel good today, but what if I don't feel good tomorrow? I I have had moments of that, but I know that if I have not gotten a hold of this anxiety thing before this diagnosis of COVID, I would have spiraled. I would have spiraled. And honestly, there are people right now who are spiraling before you even ever get COVID spiraling before you even ever experience a symptom, right? You're sure, you're convinced that if you get sick, you will die. There's no other alternative that if you don't get this jab, you're going to die and you're going to leave your kids and you're going to leave your spouse and you're going to, it's going to be just the most tragic death you've ever seen in your life. There's no other way around it. We have convinced ourselves of this. This is anxiety. This is the, the what if that erodes our faith in a good God who is sovereign, right? So I would ask you to recognize that if you're walking down these paths, if you are, if you relate to this, if this is just singing to you today, recognize it, cut it out of your identity. Do not allow yourself to be a victim of it. Do whatever you can to start to break off from this daily walk That was the other thing about medication. It made me feel like I was on a daily walk with my anxiety. I don't want to be on a daily walk with my anxiety. I want to be on a daily walk with my healer, my God. So I would invite you into that journey. Do what you need to do to step over into that journey. Nutrition is a huge piece of this puzzle, guys. A huge piece of this puzzle. And the faith walk is a huge piece of this puzzle. Discover what the catalyst is. Shift that. And then step away, step out of identity, step out of victimhood, and step out of agreement that this is a a disease you carry that you cannot rid yourself of. You can be delivered and healed in Jesus' name. I believe that for you. And if that is you, I would love to hear from you because I would love to personally pray over that in this season. I would love to personally pray for your deliverance of anxiety. I hope that that helped just give you some comfort that you're not the only one. 
but also some tools to just step out of it into faith. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, we come to you today and we just ask for deliverance and victory over fear and anxiety, Lord, specifically, that you would break these chains, that you would break this spirit, this heaviness, this oppression on your people. Lord, we know that anxiety is the antithesis of faith in you. We know that anxiety tells us the lie and helps us to come into agreement with the lie that you are not in control and that you are not good and that you are not um, a healer, Lord. And we know, we know like we know like we know that you are good and that you are in control and that you are the great physician. You are healer and you can deliver from this just the way you can deliver from any, any other thing, any other ailment, Lord. We just pray for chains to break, chains to break in Jesus' name over the spirit of anxiety and the spirit of fear in your people, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray this prayer. Amen.